I guess you can call this episode 181A. Uh, Christian and Stack I Ride did an episode last night. I unfortunately couldn't make it, so I figured it was a good time. I have, obviously, this is like the biggest week possible, right? For for all of us baseball fans, whether you're a Yankee fan or not, um, this is like the biggest week imaginable. We've waited so long to get baseball, and here I am with personal bullshit stopping me from, from recording the episode where we actually talk about baseball starting in 2020. So I felt compelled to do my own show. I'm actually even recording a video right now uh, for our YouTube fans who we've kind of died out on YouTube because we haven't really had any videos up, but I planned this week to ha- to start doing the video again um, and shit failed. People suck in this world. Nothing serious and nothing that I'm going to get into in detail, but uh, let's just say a big life decision was was made between my family and, and we were under the impression of something happening that was life-altering in a sense, um, and then it didn't happen. And then we were told it's not going to happen. And... Uh, I mean, it kind of, it was so deflating that I couldn't come on here and even pretend to be okay. And I wasn't going to do a show. I don't think, I, I would rather a show be done with two people who, you know, are fully there 100% than to have me there who have only missed one other episode. And that was um, when I was on vacation. This was the first episode. This is the first episode in a hundred and, I think it was our, what did I say? 182A or 181? Um, one, this is the 181st episode of the show. I only missed two episodes. This is the first one, the first week where I actually missed because of just not being able to do the show. Physically not being able to do it. Mentally not being able to do it. Uh, but that sucks. And especially in a week as big as this, I feel better today. Um, I wanted to come on here and kind of give my give my thoughts as well um, on everything going on. I'm excited. I, like, I still have my reservations for everything. I don't know how I'm going to feel during the season. Um, I don't know how 60 games are going to go. Uh, remember this too. I mean, the Yankees are notoriously slow starters, but I I tweeted something and I want everyone to go to my, to my Twitter. If you can at Chris junior underscore M O I S T. It was only a couple tweets ago from a few days ago. Um, that the Yankees, yeah, they're slow starters, but by 60 games, they're over the last 10 seasons. I think there's only one season where they were lower than second place. A lot of seasons are in first. The last few years, they've been in first. So 60 games is like a sweet spot for the Yankees. We can't sit here and say that it's not. Um, but we have to remember something. There, there are slow starting teams, which the Yankees are definitely a slow starting team. You know, they might hit that peak by 60 games, but they're still notoriously slow starting. And there's a lot of teams like that. And now we're getting a limited spring training uh, mixed in with a shortened season 
mixed in with, you know, we have a lot of, we have a key guy right now in Garrett Cole that we don't, we're not too familiar with, right? We don't know his full progression when it comes to spring training. We don't know what it takes for him to get to 100% when the season starts. I'm not worried about that, to be honest. He's such a, I mean, for such a young guy who hasn't been in the league long, he's like a seasoned vet at this point. I mean, you really can't have any any doubts with this guy. You got to imagine he knows how to control himself. He's going to be able to handle himself the best way possible. Uh, but these are all things that play into a shortened season. And, you know, I, I go into this as best I can on the actual show, but it's tough sometimes when you have two other two other hosts and we have a lot to get to and a lot of different opinions to get to. But, you know, part of my... Here's here's my biggest reservation on a shortened season. It's not that I think that any team who wins it will be discredited. It's just a matter of... It's a matter of as a fan, right? As a fan, why does that championship feel so strong? Why does that championship, when you get to the end, when you see your team holding up the trophy, why does it feel the way it does? It's not just that the team you love, you know, has has won the World Series. Yeah, of course, that's a huge part of it. But people who aren't a tr- aren't true baseball fans don't fully get it. Like, there's a lot of fans out there that might turn on the Yankees, you know, 20 games out of the year. And then when the postseason starts, they turn on every game and they start tweeting and posting on Facebook how much they love the Yankees and that they're going to do it. They're going to take it back to the Bronx this year. We're going to go to fucking, we're going to go to the parade, right? And all the millions of people show up to the parade and it's fucking great. Most of those people have only, only watched 20, 30 games a year, which is fine. You know, you want to be a fan, you want to call yourself a fan, as long as you don't support any other fucking team and you want to support the Yankees and you still know enough to hold the conversation, then fine, I'm fine with that. But there's something different to the real baseball fan, right? There's something different that that we feel. There's a reason why when the Yankees win a World Series, I'm not just jumping, I'm fucking crying, Right? There's tears coming out of my eyes because it's like an emotional, it's just an emotional feeling that you can't comprehend at the time. It's surreal. When you're a casual fan, even if you're a little bit more than a casual fan, you don't get that surreal feeling. And why do we get that surreal feeling? It's not just that we love our team. It's that a, there's something about a 162-game season that no other sports fan can can relate to right that and i'm not i'm not taking away from any other sport and saying any other sport is easier i'm talking about as a as a fan when you truly watch as many games as possible let's say 162 game season let me tell you something if i was available to watch all 162 i'd watch every inning of every game but things happen and you need to be updated certain games where you're not watching live so let's just say out of 162, you might, if you're lucky, you watch 150, 155. I think that's where I sit every year, around that mark. And I think any true fan will say they do. Even if you're watching 140 games, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of baseball. What people don't realize is the frustrating thing about baseball is also the reason why it means so much to us. 
the fact that every season has 20 different ups and downs that in one month you can say this is the greatest team I've ever watched and the next month you can say this is the worst fucking team I've ever seen put on a baseball field. The fact that you get that in a 162-game season is part of why that World Series means so much to you. It doesn't take away from the actual World Series. I'm talking about as a fan. So whenever I said that a shortened season, it won't feel the same to me. I'm not saying that the Yankees, if they win it, wouldn't deserve to win it or any team. Look, 60 games, you can argue, you can argue would be tougher. You could argue that that could be tougher. You have to play every game 100%. So I'm not sitting here discrediting a World Series. My argument to it was as a fan, right? My argument to everything is is that, that feeling you get. I don't know if I'll feel the same. If the Yankees win it this year, and that's a big if. I, I hope they do, of course. Uh, I'm, I will root for them as if there's, they're, you know, it's any regular season. And if they win it all, I will not discredit them in any way, and I won't allow anyone else to, just like I wouldn't do that to any other team. But I'm talking as a fan, and I should have made this clear when I made this argument a couple episodes ago. As a fan, I don't know if it will feel the same. And, and here's my biggest argument. I just kind of built it up, but let's take you back to last year. DJ LeMayu hits that home run in the ninth inning, the top of the ninth, and the Yankees actually tie the game. Game six, they're losing all game. They tie the game, and you say, holy fuck, this might happen. I mean, deep down, you knew Chapman was going to blow it. He was going to give up a walk-off. But in that moment, you went crazy. If you're a real fan, you went crazy when DJ hit that home run. And then when Chapman goes out there and he gives up that home run and they lose and the, and the Astros move on, it's like your whole life gets drained from you, even if it's just temporary, even if it's just for a couple minutes where you need to sit the fuck down and you need to you need to like you need to let your brain comprehend what just happened. Why do you feel that way? Why? It's not just a letdown, right? It's not just it's not just oh man, this sucks, my team lost. No, not when you're a real fan. When you're a real fan, you you become deflated because of how much you put into the season. Right, this season was everything. You went 162 games. Yankee fans are the worst. We all know this of going from one extreme to the next. I mean, think about how many different emotions you go through throughout a year. In one month, you're saying this is the best Yankee team you've ever seen. In the next, they're the worst. In one month, you're saying, you know, Aaron Judge is the greatest baseball player ever. In the next, you're saying he sucks. He can't stay healthy. In one month, you're saying Garrett Cole was the greatest move ever made. In the next, you're saying he sucks. He can't even throw a strike. I mean, think about those different emotions you go through. So when you get to that moment, with each playoff win, at that point, you get closer and closer to 
to validating that season, to validating all those emotions, to making them all worth it. And they're always worth it because at the end of the day, we love the game more than we love our team. That's a true baseball fan, right? A true baseball fan pours everything into their team. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, we still watch because we love the game. And so now, like I'm like my point I'm trying to make is I'm not saying that we won't be as excited. I'm not saying we're not going to jump up and down if the Yankees win. What I'm saying is will what I'm asking is will it feel the same deep down? Not because it's not because they'll be discredited, but just personally, will it feel the same? I don't know. I really don't. I hope it does. I hope that 60 games gives you enough of that feel. And, I, and here's why I'm, I'm optimistic. Because I, and, and again, I go back to one of my tweets and I said recently, I'm optimistic because let's take the positives out of this. Every game counts. Like, again, I'll go back to Yankee fans kind of getting irrational very easily. It's, you know, we're all passionate. But, like, the Yankees will lose a game in April and, and, and people think the season's over. And we have to try and rationalize and say, it's a long season. You know, shit happens. No, yeah, does every game count at the end of the day? Yeah, sure, of course. But this shit happens to every team all over. In a 60-game season, you can't afford bullshit anymore. In a 60-game season, you can't afford to lose two out of three games to the Orioles. Those things can't be afforded. And and the good thing about it, in my opinion, I hate when guys get too much rest. Like, I hate when fucking guys are on a roll and then all of a sudden they're just benched. You're not going to see that as much. I mean, sure, you're going to see it, especially early on, within the first, you know, maybe 15, 20 games. But you're not going to see as many guys get rest unless it's truly justified. Because in a 60-game season, it's all hands on deck. I mean, Sakai Rice said it to me yesterday. It's the last two months of the season, which are the most exciting two months of the season. And that's what we get from start to finish. So I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited that it's coming back. If you listen to the main episode, uh, you know, episode 181, Sakai Rice and Christian talked about when they'll... Rumor has it the Yankees will start on the 23rd. The whole season, the whole league will open up on July 24th. We get baseball a day early, which I'm absolutely not complaining with, uh, complaining about. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Garrett Cole. And, you know, at the end of the day, as shitty as all this was, and, and putting aside why there was a delay, right? I don't want to... I don't want to make light of this virus. People have lost people to it. I lost a couple people um, that I knew. But at the end of the day, when we just look at the delay in the season, it, you know, it was the best thing for the Yankees. They, they once again, were going to go into the season with so many injuries. And now you, you got to hope that they'll come back pretty much full strength. You got to hope that Judge is, is ready to go. Stanton, uh, Paxton should be ready to go, right? I mean, 
maybe he needs a little bit more time to to get there. But this team should really be outside of Severino and maybe, you know, one or two other guys I'm not thinking of. This team should be ready to go. This team should be full force. You have 60 games to win it. 60. 60 games to make an impact. And this division this year shouldn't, I mean, should be able to clobber this division. You, you are much better than anyone in this division right now. You know, the Astros become a non-factor. The, if you want to say the Astros are really the only other big-time big team right now, they become a non-factor until the postseason. They're, uh, they're not going to take, I think it's only AL East versus AL East and NL East. I think they're keeping it that way. So they become a non-factor. I mean, there's not many scary teams in the AL East and NL East right now. You got to win. You could win a lot of games. A lot of games. And that should be fun. Um, lastly, before I wrap up, um, Christian Ryan talked about a tweet that Christian sent out. And I wanted to, I wanted to add my two cents here. It was about, let me, let me actually pull it up. It was about the King Griffey Jr. documentary about Jr. being pulled out of the dugout and how Christian didn't get it, right? Everyone attacked him. He didn't get it. He didn't get that it was racist. There was racism behind it. So here was his tweet. Ken Griffey Jr., is one of the greatest ever. And if you want to go check it out yourself, he has a pinned at Christian underscore M-Y-Y-S-T. Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the greatest to ever play MLB. But I couldn't give a shit that he wouldn't have ever signed with the Yankees. The Yanks did okay with who they had patrolling center field during Griffey's prime. Career World Series titles, Bernie Williams four, Ken Griffey Jr. zero. That was it. It was a promotion. It was a promotion for Bernie Williams, not a rip on King Griffey Jr. King Griffey Jr. is a much better player than Bernie Williams. He knows that. That wasn't the point. The point was, fuck you. The point was, we don't give a fuck if you wanted to play for the Yankees or not because we had a guy who was fucking brilliant for us, who meshed well. We didn't need you. Junior, we didn't need you. That's the point. The point is, we didn't need you. We didn't need you in your zero World Series titles. We were perfectly fine with with who we had out there. That was it. But instead, it became, you don't get it. And that's all I fucking hear lately, man. And, and, and I don't want to get political because I, I'm just not a political person. I'm a rational person. People think I'm people think I'm political when I when I post certain things and you know it, it's not that I'm not political. I don't think that racism should have to should have any correlation between whether you're left or right in politics. It's crazy to me that we live in an, in a world now where if you support police, 
you're automatically a conservative. And if you don't, you're automatically a liberal. Think about that. There's no longer policy anymore. There's no longer the standard policies anymore that separate politics. It's literally become rational and irrational. And then from there, you can delegate who, you know, who goes where. I don't, I'm not playing politics here. I couldn't care less about politics, actually. I couldn't because to me, they're all worthless. This is not about, this is not about anything to me other than right and wrong. I'll watch the documentary. I, I, after reading this, that, that he was trying to imply that George Steinbrenner was being a racist. That's what he would, that's what people say he was trying to imply. I don't know if that's true. That he was kicked out of the dugout and Greg Nettle's kid, who was white, was able to stay. Here's my biggest problem. I'll tell you my two, and, and, and again, let me, just, let me just make this clear. I'm not being political. I'm being rational. And if you don't see me being rational here, if you think I sound irrational, or even if you think I'm rational but you disagree, please, I, I'm begging you to open a conversation with me. We don't have to fight. Let's just have a conversation. There's not enough communicating anymore. You know where to find me on Twitter. DM me. I have my DMs open. If you want to open a debate, I'll even have you on the show. Not Again, not to fight, just to talk about our different difference of opinion. I'm more than okay with that, and I know Christian's more than okay with that. But here's the thing. I have two problems right now. One is we're, we're fighting for equality in this country. And I think I really, I mean, we're so focused on the, on the few things that the media shows us all the time. You know, instead of looking at the big picture, I mean, let's take a look at every time we think there's a racist act against someone. How everyone comes together. How everyone denounces the act. How everyone pulls together. Like with the Bubba Wallace stuff in NASCAR. When they thought this was an actual hate crime or, or an act of, of hate. What happened? Did anyone sit back and just let it happen? No. This country was outraged. Outraged because we should be. If that was what happened, we should be outraged. And if you're not, then you're racist. Okay? If that was a noose in his garage and it was put there by a white man as a form of hate and you were okay with that, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. And if you were like the 99.9% .9 of the country who wasn't okay with it, you should sit back and realize that we are united. We don't stand for this. What did the other racers do? Did they just let it happen? Or did they all get out of their car and push Bubba's car 
as a sign of we're not going to let this happen to you as a sign of unity. Haven't watched it? Watch it. Regardless of what the actual noose was, it wasn't. It was a, it was a garage pull that had been there for years. And, you know, I'll, I'll fight for Bubba Wallace also. I don't like what he said afterwards that he wouldn't just fully come out and admit that, you know, he, mis- he was mistaken. It took him a while. But you know what? I'm sure with how the media reacts to things and how the media portrays this country that he did think it was that, that he might have thought that. Maybe it wasn't just a cry for attention. You know, everyone's quick to rip this guy and say he should apologize. And yeah, maybe he should, but not for, maybe he should for not, you know, coming out and saying it was a mistake right when the FBI concluded the investigation. You want him to apologize. But if he genuinely felt that that was there, I can see how. I mean, if I was him, if I was a black man in this country right now, and I listened to what the media told me. I'd feel the same. I'd feel defensive also. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you're not black and, you, and, and you're watching the media, can you put yourself in, in a black person's shoes right now and think how you would feel if there was something that looked like a noose hanging from your garage after all this tension's built up? I'm not going to sit here and rip the guy. I don't know the guy. Like I said, I'm someone who bases my emotion. Yeah, not maybe not. Instantly, but after a while, I rationalize. And I, and I look at all the facts. And then I assess the situation based off of facts. So my facts tell me that this man could have possibly thought this was real. And man, I feel so sorry for him or anyone out there who is that scared right now. That they thought people would do this. And I'm and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's not people out there who are capable of doing it. There are. Very few, but there are. And if you're one of those people listening to this, or if you're one of those people and I ever see you, stay far away from me. Because I do not stand with you. I do not tolerate any type of discrimination, any type of racism. But I also don't tolerate anything against white people either. And it's not because I'm white. It's because that's the world that we want to live in, right? We want to live unified at this point. And we should. White people have been put in a, in a position now where we are automatically racist if we defend certain things. Like there's this there's this teacher who got promoted at Cambridge after after tweeting abolish white whiteness. Or white lives don't matter. And to speak out on that, I think I've lost I I, I retweeted that twenty minutes ago, an hour ago. I think I've lost five followers from it. Because I spoke against it. Not because I'm white. I'd speak it's because it's being accepted. It's because when you say certain things like that, it's it's applauded. And when you speak the truth in this country, if it doesn't fit the narrative, it's denounced. 
It's discredited. And I will I refuse to live in a country like that. This person was promoted at Cambridge University after tweeting, abolish whiteness and white lives don't matter. I will not tolerate that acceptance. Not because I'm white. I wouldn't, if, it, if that was being, if she said abolish, uh, abolish, you know, blackness, abolish any other race, ethnicity, whatever you want. And it was accepted to a point where that person was being promoted at their job. You better believe I'd be, I'd be arguing even louder. Because guess what? As a, as a white person, we are the majority. We don't have to speak as loud. But we do have to speak. And we shouldn't let anyone silence us. And when you see that type of discrimination for a race or ethnicity that isn't the majority then you need to speak up with them and make them the majority. That's the problem. If I saw one of my Spanish friends being discriminated that way, I stand behind them and I, and I fight against it because we need each other. We need each other to fight this. It doesn't work this way that... that we're all supposed that white people, just because they're the majority, just because this country was founded with, you know, Europeans who came over here and then owned slaves and so on and so forth. That does not mean that we are those people, but we are the majority. And being the majority does not mean that we can tolerate those things. Because we wouldn't tolerate it if it was set against another race, another ethnicity. Never. We have to be good people all around. We don't get to pick and choose. If you're a good person and you're white and you see that and it offends you and you think that you can't speak out because you'll be racist to speak out against it, that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. And if you're someone who sits back and says, well, now you know what it feels like you're not white and you say you sit back and say now you know what it feels like you're part of the problem i don't want to know what it feels like because i can only imagine and i never want that for you for anyone and i never want my kids to treat anyone that way i never want their friends to treat anyone that way never want their friends to feel that way i never want my kids to feel that way And it starts by all of us being together. And to stop jumping to racism for everything. And listen, if Ken Griffey Jr. felt that this movement, that this, that this moment in time showed racism against him because Greg Nettle's kid was allowed to stay and he was kicked out, then look, I, I, I'm not one to say that he's wrong. I'm not one to tell him what to feel. My problem is that we feel these things. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have felt the same way. My problem is that we feel these things. 
And then we don't go and, ch- and really try and rationalize our feelings. Do yourself a favor, Griffey. Look at some of the things that George Steinbrenner did during those times. When you feel he was racist towards you, just go take a look at some of the things he did. It, it will take you two minutes. And you tell me if he was a racist. I'm not telling you you're wrong for feeling that way. You know? In a world like this, I'm sure it's easy to feel that way. But now rationalize your feelings a little. And go find the truth. Ever occur to anyone that maybe... I'm not saying this is true either. But maybe King Griffey Jr. was a fucking annoying little kid. And Greg Nettles' kid was, like, just kind of on the field and keeping to himself. Not because Ken Griffey Jr. was black and Greg Nettles' kid was white, but because kids are fucking annoying. Okay? If my kid was on, it went to Yankee Stadium versus another kid, and that other kid was cool, but my kid was being fucking annoying, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying it's a, also a possibility. Like, let's not just jump to fucking racism that divides us, right? Let's think of all the possibilities. Maybe King Griffey Jr. is a fucking annoying kid. Maybe. It's not, I, I mean, George Steinbrenner employed his father. Think about this. Employed his father. But was racist towards his son. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. I, and I'm not saying it's not the reason. Okay? Uh, I, I will never know for sure. All I'm saying is look at the type of person George Steinbrenner was. And then come back and tell me what you think. That's all. And at the end of the day, and this is the last thing I'll say. I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. It does. None of us should tolerate it ever. All I'm saying is when you are going to use that as the reason behind something, you better be goddamn sure it's, it's why. You better be positive. Because that's a serious claim. There's a lot of things that people tolerate in this world. Someone's an asshole. Someone has a big ego, right? There's a lot of things we tolerate. But most human beings on this, in this country, most of us who are decent human beings with a good heart, we do not tolerate racism. Nor should we ever. So before you go and use that as your reasoning behind certain actions, You better be sure. And I think that's fair. And listen to me. When you do, when you, when you are sure that it's racism, call me, message me because I want to fight it with you. Trust me. I want to fight it with you. I do not tolerate it. 
nor will I ever, nor will anyone in our panel ever. We are good human beings. Only we did only we get to determine what we believe and what we fight for. If we want to stand up for certain things, as long as we are all standing up at the end of the day for the same goal, for the same result, then there's no reason why we can't do it together. I hope you listen to this, and if it made an impact in your life, I hope you share it with a friend. Seriously. And I will never be scared to speak up on uh, how I feel. And whether you're against what I'm saying or for me, I... I hope you reach out to me at Chris Jr. underscore M-Y-Y-S-T. You can email me uh, Chris at MYYSportsTalk.com. Whatever you want. You want to just talk? Let's just talk. I'm open to communicate with anyone of any race, any ethnicity, and I'm willing to hear any story possible. I am open-minded, and I always will be. So that being said, thank you for listening. Again, I felt compelled to come on and do this show, and I'm, I'm glad I did. And, you know, hopefully within the next month, we, we're, we're talking about baseball again because we need that distraction. So thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.